Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of AFK Dev Podcast, where we talk about things that happen away from the keyboard. I'm Sam, and I'm joined here with my co-host, James. James, how are we doing today? We're doing okay, Sam. How about you? What's new in your world? I actually have pretty like big, I guess, I almost want to say it's like dev news because this is such a crucial part of being a dev, and that is that I uh, made the switch to black coffee. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You used I, to put all sorts of garbage in your coffee. Did like my the color of my coffee was basically light tan. I don't know if you remember <laughs> in the office, like oh, yeah. I just love creamer. <laughs> and um I feel like a lot of uh devs, I don't know if they normally drink black coffee, but I feel like that's the trend. What, I think what do you it's think? Because yeah, I, I think it's a thing. I remember when we we're in the office, I like specifically had to make requests for some like creamer and uh I felt like I was like kind of alone in that boat. I, I knew you you took a little bit of cream, but I think I felt like it was just you and me. Yeah, I think I like succumbed to peer pressure pretty quick and started drinking black coffee shortly after. Yeah, is this like a for your a productivity boost or why the switch? Yeah, so actually, um, I was actually in an in an Uber with some co coworkers, and they were going off on about like black coffee and like actually intermittent fasting which kind of switched to them drinking black coffee and talk, talking right. about how good like black coffee is now and stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should try it kind of thing. And when I was actually on uh, the flight back home, uh, I was like really tired and I needed to stay awake. So I asked for some coffee and they said, do you want some, you know, milk or cream with that? And I'm like lactose intolerant. So I'm not going to risk that on like a plane, you know? <laughs> so I was just like, oh, no, I'll just take it black. And then I was like, well, this is a start. I'm going to try this just drinking black coffee. And literally, like, I have no desire to drink non-black coffee. Like, if I go to, you know, Starbucks, Tim Hortons, McDonald's, I'm getting it black, which is, it sounds crazy to me. Nice. You're one of us now. Yes. I mean, then, then you also, you don't need to worry about cream expiring because it only lasts for, like, a week, two weeks. Or then like fake creamer is like, I don't know, it's not the same as real cream. So you're just kind of, you're avoiding a whole class of problems. Yeah, that's, that is true. Actually, uh, I use oat milk, which is like, and there's only one specific oat milk that works really well with coffee. Okay, I've tried almond milk and coffee and it just makes it taste awful. It, like, does, it just I know what you It mean. tastes like, like more burnt than, I don't know. It just tastes really bad. Yeah. So I just drink black. Although I drink like, I don't know, specialty coffee, I guess I'll say like, I generally try to buy like a, you know, a single source origin coffee, which is, you know, more expensive, usually often more ethically sourced. I mean, I'll drink, you know, diner coffee. I still do have a soft spot for that kind of that classic, like, you know, really punches you in the face cup of coffee. But I think my palate has changed a little bit. I've also noticed that like my, um, the brew strength of black coffee, like I have to do it a lot lighter than when I put, you know, all that crap in. Yes, because you're actually <laughs> drinking coffee. I was just like <laughs> drinking it just to normally make it. I'm like, whoa, this is like really potent. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, this is like you know a big step towards my career. I I, I would I would say. Yeah, I think I think the, all the legit devs out there drink black coffee. Yeah. What do you think? Should we jump into that first question, Sam? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. This is from I believe it's from your sister. Yeah, actually, this is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, question from Sam's sister. After all your years of experience, what advice would you give to new and upcoming software engineers? I'll take, uh, I'll put in one line, like a sentence here that uh, 
if I just met a brand new devs, like, Hey, Sam, I'm new. Uh, I'm a new like software engineer, software developer. What's one advice you'd give me? And the one advice I would say is that you have a long career ahead of you. Like don't in, in like a good way, in a good way. So okay. I feel like, so like in the way that I want to say that, like, uh, nurture yourself in the beginning, like find mentors, find places with good, solid senior software engineer. Don't try to be like the big fish in your like little pond or actually that, that way. Just don't try to make yourself like, um, be in a more senior role than you actually need to. Like you want to take the steps and like, like it's a long game is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 I think that's reasonable advice. Yeah. I've definitely been, I, I think I've done exactly what you've kind of implied that you shouldn't do is where you know you're like i've got six months experience like man why aren't i running the place yet kind of thing <laughs> it's just like and in hindsight when i look back at newer devs now that you know inhibit like similar behaviors i just view it as like super cringe but you know that was also also me not not too long ago yeah and honestly i think it's just in general just the trait in software engineers just having that like you know, I want to be the big dog. I want to make these big, important decisions. I want to be the one that's like carrying the team. Like, and we, you know, I think it's, it's a good trait to have, but at the same time, like your time will come. Like I can guarantee you, your time will come in the first, you know, beginning of your career. You need to learn as much as you can learn from mentors. Like you want to build a very good, like solid found foundation essentially. Right. This is good advice for me right now, listening to this. <laughs> I definitely I definitely still can be like, you know, I want to carry the team. I want to do the do all the stuff. And sometimes I do, but you know, sometimes I feel like I try to do those things and then it, you know, could have gone a lot better if I had actually just sat down and talked to some people and tried to do things as more of a team. So yeah, I mean, I feel like that advice is always relevant, but yeah, especially when you're first starting out. Something uh, that I think is good. Sorry, I cut you off. Sorry, I was do you wanna I was just gonna say what about you? <laughs> so yeah, <distracted>. okay. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest ones is just learning how to learn, learning how to solve your own problems, and effectively being aware that it is no one's job to come and fix your stuff. <laughs> That's kind of on you. I, I think back to when I'm still in university, working on side projects or whatnot, and I would get stuck on something. And a lot of the times my path to a potential solution was finding someone who would know the answer, finding someone who's used this library, finding something on Google or Stack Overflow. It was not often in my wheelhouse to just buckle down and figure it out myself. Uh, and I feel like that early on definitely was not a great thing for me. Like, you know, I'd like open issues on open source repositories asking like noob questions. Like, you know, that was... That was me. And, that, you know, those aren't the forums for those type of questions. When, you know, a lot of the time when you're stuck, like if you buckle down, you read documentation, you go into the source code. That was an idea that was very foreign to me for a long period of time. Uh, I should have started doing that a lot sooner. Um, yeah, you can like figure a lot of stuff out on your own because eventually you're going to get into a situation where you're using a tech stack or a problem domain or a combination of those where no one will have done this before. The nature of building software, it's often very much, this is the first time someone has done this. And a lot of times there's not someone to ask who's already done it before. And if you are in that situation where someone has done everything you've done before, that sounds like a pretty 
boring job anyway. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you've said there. And with figuring things out yourself, I guess what goes hand to hand is also like try to figure out a good debugging routine or um, depending on the stack you have, just that will help you so much in terms of just um, quickly finding what's the issue that you're having, I find. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's really good. I actually, I feel like I have the opposite problem where sometimes I might get stuck at a problem for too long where it should have been something I should have asked earlier and somebody would have known. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's like the correct kind of asking. There's like the, hey, I've yeah. tried X, Y, and Z and none of them have worked so far. Do you have any ideas for what I can try versus the, hey, this thing isn't working. Can you, uh, you know, nudge, nudge, make it work kind of thing? You know, that's not super helpful. Uh, it's the whole teach a man to fish versus catch him a fish kind of deal. Um, and on the flip side, you know, I when people ask me those types of questions today, more junior developers, I generally will be fairly terse in my answers because I'm making it clear that I am not going to solve this for you. I'm, I will help you solve it, but I'm not going to solve it for you because I think that's a really valuable skill that every developer should have. Yeah. Um, let me ask you another question in terms of developers starting out. Let's, let's take one step back and let's talk about like interns and like co-ops. Let's say, um, so I know um, sometimes it's a struggle to find a co-op or intern position. And would you, I think there's a rule where um, an intern can't happen. Like I think I heard about this at like our local university, uh, University of Victoria, that if their development team is under four, then it's kind of frowned upon for you to join just because, and which I can see understanding why is because they're probably going to try to exploit you just to, you know, code, right. Versus taking the time to like, you know, mentor you and doing the proper gauntlets. But I feel like you and I both have been in co-ops where the engineering team has been less than four yep. and experienced and uh, like greatly benefited from them. So like, what are my, my question to you is that, do you agree to that kind of um, scenario where as an early, either intern co-op or maybe in your first one, should you be wary of the size of the engineering team uh, that you're applying to or accepting a position in? So I do understand where you're going with that. Like you don't want to be in a situation where you're just going to be abused and you can't learn from anyone. Uh, but I did have experience where I was a co-op student and I, there effectively was no dev team. I think there was one other dev, but he was working on wildly different things and I never really talked to him. We had like our boss CTO type person and he worked half time. Realistically, he worked like quarter time. So he was never really even there. It was just me and the other co-op student who I was actually friends with beforehand, which made it pretty fun. So we had like no oversight. We had projects to do. It was, you know, it could very much be seen as a situation where like, hey, we're expected to just grind out work for, you know, basically free. But it was actually one of those times in my career where I had no one, like I had nothing. Like I, this was really where I broke that habit of really trying to find someone to solve things for me via online or, or whatever, because no, I didn't have any of that. I just had to buckle down and do it. And it was kind of a scary time, honestly, where I had no real lifelines. But at the same time, it felt like it was a very pivotal moment where I felt like that's when I became a dev. If I could point back to a moment where I thought like, yeah, like I'm a developer now, that was probably 
the moment. And of course, I've learned a million things since then. But like as a student, that was probably one of the first times where I felt like, hey, like, yeah, I can do this. I can actually solve problems on my own. Nice. I, I feel like everyone kind of, if you take internships or co-op uh, after your first like stint, you feel like a rock star, right? You're just like, uh, oh, wow. Like, you know, now I can just run my own company, right? Yeah. And that's like, that's, that's the thing I'm saying, hey, everybody just like slow down in the beginning, right? Like there's a lot to learn, right? Yeah, I definitely, you know, that, yeah, my ego, I've definitely had an ego historically, probably currently <laughs> in software dev. I feel like it's at a decent place right now, but you know, it's always, it's always tough. You know, it's, I don't know why. It's just like a field where there's lots of big egos. I don't really know, I guess, because maybe not so much now, but you know, historically programmers are kind of viewed as like God's gift to this earth by some people <laughs> inwardly. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like there's also like, I think it peaks really high, but it also like dips pretty low. Like if I'm, you know, in a bad rut, like I'm just like, wow, it, I might, I might lose my job just because yeah. I'm so bad. Right. Yeah. So, right. It's just like, we're, we're very dramatic. Let's say that. <laughs> I read a tweet today and it said, if you've ever thought that you're a bad programmer, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, amen to that. That is so true that's so funny one other thing that i think would be something that i would want to impart is the idea that soft skills matter a lot more than you think um it's a field where there's kind of a perception that you sit behind a keyboard and just type which is true you do a lot of that but really talking to people and just being easy to get along with being easy to collaborate with are just invaluable skills that i really had they were not on my radar at all when I started out my career and really weren't for a few years early on in my career. It's only more recently that I've really started to realize how important those things are. So, and maybe that's like probably like any career. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to talk to people. It's important. I think just like the nature of software development, there is maybe a perception that like, hey, I just get to hide behind my keyboard all day. That's not really the case. So being just just aware of those soft skills. I know it's maybe sounds like redundant and oversaid, but like it actually is really important. Yeah, it is. And also like having, you got to really check your ego, like as a junior, because you're going to be ripped apart. Like, you know, Oh yeah. Um, I, I think the culture for like PRs and like, it's, it's way better than what I've, I feel like I've experienced or some of my colleagues have experienced in the past. Uh, but Regardless, if you're getting lit up like, you know, 50 comments on a PR, like, and you're new, like, you're, you're gonna feel awful, right? But you got to really understand that hopefully that the senior, you know, eng that's like helping you is trying to, you know, make sure that you understand what's going on, like, why, you know, these changes need to happen. And it's gonna help you in the long run. Like, you should be really grateful for that because w the worst scenario is, yeah, this is okay, you know, approve it with no comments. And, you know, you're not really learning right so yeah you really gotta kind of check that ego at the door when you're starting out for sure yeah definitely and it might not seem like people are trying to help you help you but like they they are almost certainly they are maybe there's there's, a, there's the off chance that they're not trying to help you but in general everyone is trying to help you even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes yeah um i got one more question <laughs> just because okay. i've uh uh i ran to somebody who was uh in the intern co-op kind of phase at uvic and university of victoria that is and uh that's why that question kind of came up is 
how much do you value if you have no experience like this is you're, you're looking for your first co-op first in, internship um what can you do to kind of try to establish an interview just even get into an interview um i'll just like immediately my first thing was do you have any side projects anything related to like programming on your own time and even though like you're trying to there's an there's not a lot of time in terms of school and you know work that you have to do. It's really hard to f find time to do some coding. But honestly, I said it doesn't even need to be like some crazy massive program, right? Something in your GitHub repo so they can kind of see some some coding would go a long way, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think anything that shows like some type of initiative is going to be really good. Like, yeah, like it's. It's tough. Um, I didn't really have a lot of those things on my resume and it made it tricky to get that first co-op. Uh, but even like right now, if I'm going to look at anyone, not that I do hiring myself right now, but if I'm looking at someone and I can see that like, oh, there's stuff on their GitHub here. Oh, there's projects here. Or just, you know, you can just like see that like, hey, like this person actually does kind of care about their craft a little bit. <laughs> and anything like that is generally a good sign. Um, and, and I know this isn't what you asked, but like once someone's in an interview, I think going back to like the soft skills, like, is this a decent human being? Do I feel like I can trust them? Those like, especially because when you have no experience, really you're being hired for potential. And I think your soft skills, your budding soft skills can be like a lot of times the only real potential that you can kind of go on. Obviously there's going to be some, ideally some type of past you know, hobby coding or schooling experience. But yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's an important one. Just being, you know, easy to work with, presentable. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I was going to throw you a question, but I think it's too difficult to like come up with like on the spot, but I'll ask you anyways. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you had to like ask one question, just in terms of um, for soft skills, what, what would you ask? Like, let's say, in the same situation, it's a new intern, new developer, uh, ask them something that's not related to like coding or anything like that. What would you ask? What would I ask? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's a really tough one to come up with I, on the I spot. I think so too. Cause like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'd throw something like, I don't know, related to talking about, I don't know, ask them about their parents. <laughs> I don't know if someone's going to trash talk their parents, but I feel like everyone trash talks their parents. If someone's going to trash talk their parents publicly, Publicly as in, in an interview. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad sign. Yeah, no. I have no idea, honestly. Why, what would you do? Okay, I just thought of this, but maybe it's too related to coding, but I'll just talk about like like a group project that you worked in or something like that. Like, mm. just tell me your ah, experience. that's a good one. At a good a group project, because I can guarantee you that everybody has had a pretty bad group project experience. Not like all the way bad, but some like bad moments, right? And, uh, yeah, like see how quick they are to throw people under the bus kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then just like, you know, stuff like what what's your biggest takeaway from that, you know, group project experience, right? You know, stuff like that, yeah. Do you want to read our next question? Yeah, okay. Our next question here, uh, I believe it came from, did this come from our friends on chat? Uh, yeah, it might have been Nick. Yes, so this has come from our friend Nick, who is also a fellow software engineer. And he asked... How do you navigate handling failure? Uh, yeah. I mean, you could just not fail. <laughs> I'll like start off with a quote that I saw at a movie 
or a TV show, like literally sometime this past week. And I don't remember where it's from. And I tried to Google it and I couldn't find it. But the quote was, all right, fake quote. Let's hear it. I'm the champion of failures. If I stop failing, then we failed. Okay. Do you get it? If we've stopped failing, then we failed. Okay. Right. So basically he's saying, keep, keep trying. Yeah. 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 Which is, I thought that's, that's basically what I was going to come here and say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you should just embrace failure. Like you can't grow without it. Like it hurts. Failing hurts. Um, But yeah, I think like a good software engineer is one that can really pick themselves back up from that failure, especially how quickly you can do that. Because it's like, I don't know, the nature of solving problems, working in a team, like it's just inevitable. You're not going to agree with everyone. You're going to have ideas that don't land. You're going to have code that people don't like. It's just somewhat inevitable. Um, Like my, my failures personally are often around ideas that don't land things i haven't thought through enough and you know on on the one hand i could stop presenting new ideas i could just do the easy things but i don't know i feel like wallowing in like easy work or work where there is no opportunity for you to fail doesn't really get you anywhere i I feel like easy work is is like overrated um i I think like doing hard work (laughs) is how you get places putting yourself in uncomfortable situations is how you you know grow and learn uh and and, you know like maybe not everyone agrees but i'm definitely the kind of person where you know i want to push myself i want to be doing hard things and a lot of the time that does mean uh failing uh but you know i agree with the quote uh honestly like what you said uh you know i don't want to be in a situation where i'm not failing anymore because that probably means i'm not trying anymore or not trying hard enough. Right. But it's, that's such a like difficult thing to do just to like, oh, you should just, uh, you know, accept failures and just keep going. Like, like, oh, failure, it's really like for it's, it's something that like everybody struggles with. Like you don't want to fail. Right. And if you do fail, it, it can take you weeks to get past it. Right. Yeah. Like psychologically it's, it's so burdensome. Right. Um, I just want to say that like, I've, personally have struggled with failures for like a good portion of my life and I still struggle with it. It's like one of those things where I don't want to do something because I'm afraid of failure or like rejection. Right. And um I'll I'll share like one moment when I was in just beginning uh software uh engineer like schooling. So I guess computer science. And this is like after my uh like first career and I decided to like you know, switch out of that. And obviously when you automatic, when you switch out of a career, you automatically associate that with like failure. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do this computer science thing. And I remember it was like midterm of like uh, my first or second semester. I like failed like all my midterms. Right. Or like, and, and the best I got was like 55%. And at this point I was like, oh man, like I am screwed. I like, I literally didn't sleep for like a week. Wow. Like I had like such a hard time. Like I would like, this is, this is, this sounds like really sad, but like I would have like tears in my eyes, like going to bed because I was so angry at myself. I said, what did I do? Like I gave up like, you know, what could be a pretty good paying career and like successful career to this. And now like I made no money this year and now I'm going to flunk out of school. Right. Um, And one thing that I, 
had the help of my friends basically telling me that like, you know, I can't go back to my first career. I can't like, I have to keep on going forward. If I fail, then fail all the way through, you know, don't, don't like, uh, yeah, like give it your best shot back out. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, it just made me try even harder. And like, I completely turned out, turned around that semester. Like, I don't want to, you know, brag or anything, but literally I went from like failing midterms to like uh, 80% average on that semester. And that gave me such a boost to like finish out like everything. Um, so I think one thing that could have been dangerous at that situation is when I have a fear of failing, traditionally I would back out. I would just go the other direction. Yeah. But that fear of failing, you haven't failed yet. That fear of failing, you should just keep pushing forward. And if you fail, like say to yourself, if I actually fail, what's the worst case scenario? Right. Like, am I going to die? Am I going to, you know, like these are like, like it sounds like, I don't know, like kind of funny. Like, are you going to die? But those are really hard things. Like what is actually going to be affected, right? And then you can kind of make a better, like, you know, like for, for example, that school, if I actually failed versus going back, there's no, like I've already paid the money. I'm not getting that money back. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like what am I going to do? Like I'm just really afraid of facing like that in my face saying, hey, like you actually failed, right? Um. Yeah, I feel like Sorry, it's I, like I, perspective I, yeah. is really kind of what you're what you're saying there is that like, you know, when you're faced with failure or even the idea of failure, you're kind of you're, you're gripped with fear. And when you're gripped with that fear, it's hard to really put into perspective. What, like, what are the implications of this failure? And I feel like a lot of the time they're not as bad as we kind of make them out to be. You play games in your head. You, you know, you try to make this, you know, you make it into like a big thing. Then it's not really going to be like actually that bad. Like I had similar situations like school, I feel like is just like a good one because I, I think like university and post-secondary in general, they almost try to instill fear in you um i remember my very first semester at school i was in the engineering program and i was just i straight up i was like freaked out like i was not having like like two weeks in i was like this is so scary like i don't i don't want to do this i can't do this it was just i don't know it was just like so bizarre and i like dropped i dropped all my engineering classes and i just kept like a math course and i just needed some time to like chill out kind of thing and it was I don't know. It was a scary time. I was like, like, I'm not like smart enough. Like, I don't even know why I was so freaked out. I don't know if it was the just being like at, you know, university compared to high school is very different. There's just, I feel like engineering also has kind of a, a unique, I don't know, feel around it. Uh, you know, like frosh week and whatever, very like culty almost. And I think that maybe freaked me out a little bit too. Yeah. But in like hindsight, it's like, okay, I just kept taking courses you know eventually took a programming course i'm like yeah this is fun let's do this kind of thing and like yeah like there were times like later on during school where i had you know various fears around failure but it's you know like you say it's like okay i've already paid for this course am i gonna just like peace out and be like oh i'm sad because i'm bad or are you just gonna like buckle down and do it i i think basically working hard and trying hard and just grinding things out is I, I feel like it's almost like not as part of just our culture these days. There's maybe not these days, maybe it's never really been, but you know, in general, there's always like, oh, like how can I do things the easy way? What's the shortcut? But I think like, just like really working hard and facing your fears and just buckling down, like 
that's how you get places like most successful people didn't just get there on accident like they they probably grinded really hard and they probably failed hundreds of times yeah i i agree they're in our culture um i think it's normal for people never to give a hundred percent yeah you should only give you know 40 or 50 percent because you don't know when you actually need to give 100%, but then you'll live your entire life never giving 100% to anything. Yeah. And like, what kind of life are you? You're not really f- living your life to your fullest, in, in my opinion, right? And I think that has to do with failure. Because like, if you fail in something, eh, you know, I only gave 50% effort. If I actually really tried, I would have done, you know, great. Yeah, totally. Thing, right? It's like, you're in this situation. Yeah. Let's try and make the most out of it. And like, this is all like a big mental game. It can be really hard to get yourself to that place as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I guess, in terms of handling, so the question was like, how do you get navigating, navigate handling failure? So like once you failed, I suppose, like what, what tools can you do or what tools can you use to like help you get out of this failure? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think probably the biggest one is to just like stop thinking about it, like doing whatever I need to do to stop thinking about it, whether that's, you know, going outside, going outside is often like kind of like my main, like decompressing thing. I feel like just the nature of coding in front of a computer outside is kind of like the opposite of that and just like get myself away from that situation try to do whatever i can to get it out of my head because i think once it's out of your head that's when you can start to get some perspective uh so yeah that's the main thing that i do and then also just like trying to not address or like solve that failure while i'm feeling emotional if that makes sense Trying to just give myself yeah. time to like, okay, like, have I fully processed this? Do I actually know what I want to do? Yeah. Um, for me, for a long portion of my life, the thing that I kind of rely on is actually working out. And yeah. uh, James, you could tell that I'm a pretty big guy. <laughs> so I've, I've been handling a lot of failures. Right? Uh, but it actually helps a lot. Like even, you know, regardless of failures or just like s- some sort of anxiety with work or anything like that when i work out like i'm putting so much physical exertion to my body like you have no choice but to forget about it like it honestly gets you gets you to a place where your mind goes blank yeah um i don't do as much like now you kind of like lift more but when i was younger in my younger 20s i used to run a lot and like running kind of makes you into this like zone of you kind of talk to yourself in your head listen to music or whatever and then it goes blank at one point just like you're breathing and and that's it yeah yeah and when you reach that point it's like after you just feel way better about everything yeah. right just um, kind of gets gets another all the craft one, out yeah. of your head yeah exactly and another one that i find that i just more recently as i got older was actually cooking oh interesting i feel like if you're cooking or baking something something you have to like follow instructions to a certain point it's very easy to get a win <laughs> yeah do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like it's and to give that focus to something else, it, it helps a lot. Like to, to get you feel like you just got it like like a win. Also, just getting off your phone, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what, what would be like the summary of those points? I mean, on my side, like, yeah, like failing does suck and it hurts. But training yourself to get to a point where you can get over it and get over it ideally quickly i think is super important and there's that's hard to do there's strategies to get there working out uh you know going outside but i think in general in life 
you need to be able to overcome your failures. Otherwise, you're just going to be sad all the time. Everyone's going to fail. Um, easy work is overrated. I think you should be putting yourself out there in situations where you can fail. Yeah. Um, so I agree. So it's just basically keep trying, <laughs> keep failing. And if you actually do fail, it usually isn't, you're making it to be a lot worse than it actually yeah. is, right? Yeah, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Nice. I feel like I feel like we're just like spewing cliches, but I feel like they're cliches for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to throw one more quote then. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, just, let's hear it. Uh, this is from um, Friday Night Lights, like the movie, the football high school movie. Nice. And um, the coach, one of the coaches like saying, there isn't much difference between winning and losing, just how the outside world perceives you. Yeah. And to go further than that, it's just basically if you play a good game and they play a good game, at the score, it's just like it, you you should be happy, like in terms of like you've done what you could kind of thing. Right. And it's just yeah. like what the outside world says, hey, this team's the winner and this team's a loser, even if both teams play a great game. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think? Have we answered that one? I think so. I think... uh uh, it, honestly, I feel like every question that we have had set, uh, asked in this podcast and previous ones, we're going to ask again like a year later and we're, we're going to say something different, right? Probably, so, Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of growing and getting better. Your your ideas are always changing. Yeah. All right. So, James, how can people get their own topic or question featured on the show? Yeah, you can shoot us an email at afkdevpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us or send us a direct message on Twitter. We are AFK Dev Podca Podcast there. Uh, Sam is now also on Twitter. He is AFK Dev Sam. I'm, I'm on Twitter as well. I'm just James Gayford. A little, more, a little more boring, but you can find us both there. And with that, thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you in the next one.